Reading now from the Gospel according to Mark. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir... Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech And they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered him to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I told you one Christmas Eve that our dog, Duke, was suffering from a human condition. He simultaneously needed help and was actively resisting the help that he needed. Since then, some of you have been kind to ask how he is progressing, so I'm happy to report to you that he's more content living where he lives than he was before. I think it's because he knows where his food comes from now. He's figured some other things out too, including that his uh, owners eat better than he does. Duke's latest indication that he is marked by original sin is how picky he is about his food. Here's a dog who, as far as we can tell, spent his first months foraging for food in the swamps and uh, pine groves of North Carolina, and he is now unimpressed with the premium dog food that we bring home to him. He's the first dog I've ever been around who needs an appetizer of human food before he condescends to eat the food especially formulated for the active canine's palate. Dogs. They're not just for chasing squirrels anymore. Not in a culture that spends $70 billion each year on pets. No, around here it's good to be a dog. In our homes, every dog has his or her day. Not so in ancient Palestine. Jewish persons concerned with ritual purity were not feeding dogs scraps from the table, and they certainly weren't giving them spa days. The dogs were outside their homes. They were outside-ers, 
the Jews would not refer to dogs as members of their family. Besides, even if a dog was allowed inside, most Israelites would not have had a table for it to crawl around under. And for that matter, poorer Jews didn't have a bed to sleep on either. They had mats. I don't tell you that to prove that I did my homework for this sermon, but I did. There are details, distinguishing details in Mark's gospel that tell us something that really matters. Mark subtly points out what the Galilean Jews knew all too well. There's a world of difference between them and the Gentile Syrophoenician woman who sought out Jesus. She, a Gentile of some means, an outsider to the Jews because of her race and her home and her religion, well, she might well have had an inside dog. She, from a wealthy part of that region, probably had a table. Her daughter, we learn in the story, was fortunate enough to have a bed. It's often the case that the persons in need who Jesus encounters are poor and powerless. But not this time. In this story, she's the powerful one. Like the Roman centurion, this is another case of a powerful person who is desperate for Jesus' help. Which reminds us, That suffering knows no bounds. Need is universal. Some have more resources for comfort and care, but anyone can find herself desperate for a miracle. For some reason, this mother believed Jesus could help. We don't know why she thought that. We don't know why or what this wealthy woman had heard about Jesus. All we knew is she knew enough to turn to him. I wonder, did she know what he taught? Did she know, for instance, that one of the last things he said before she found him was, it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles? Because that would apply to Jew and Gentile alike. That would apply whether the dogs are inside or outside. And no matter how one prepares the meal or what is one's race or nationality or religion. Did the Syrophoenician woman know that Jesus was teaching such a thing when she came and begged him for help? Did she? A person from a nation that had been Israel's enemy. A person the Jews would consider unclean know that Jesus said our actions based on what's in our hearts are what defile us and not who our parents are or how ritually clean are our pots and pans. We don't know. She might not have known anything that Jesus taught. She may well have believed that Jesus thought like those who condemned her for simply being who she was as did they. And yet she was desperate enough to turn to him in case Jesus could heal her suffering daughter. Something told her that he could. And she was desperate enough to try. She found Jesus, asked for his help, 
And uncomfortably for us who are used to Jesus being kind and gentle with those who were seeking His help, He insults her. He called her and her daughter, her suffering daughter, dogs. Not pampered dogs. It wasn't a term of endearment. Not cute little puppies. But dirty, mangy dogs. I don't know why he said it. Was he mocking his own people by using their demeaning term for Gentiles? Was he using his knowledge of wealthy Gentile home life, the kind where dogs can live inside, to make his case that it was too soon to help them because those Gentiles did not yet realize they needed a Savior? It was too soon, right? That's what Jesus said. He never said, no, I'm not here for you or for your kind. God doesn't intend to help you. He said, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. As I said, our dog Duke prefers our cuisine to his own. And contrary to what I've been taught, he occasionally eats before we do. After he found us, and Sally and I gave in to our children's pleas, I did a little research and learned that pack animals eat at the end of the day after they've done the work that was to be done. And they do so in a pecking order, such as the alpha dog eats first, and then those who are submissive eat later. To teach his place in the hierarchy, I was to eat first, then allow him to eat. He needs to know who is the alpha dog. That's me, by the way. (laughs) He's sometimes confused by that, too. I buy into that theory. That's our usual practice. But I'm also a fairly messy cook. And when I'm cooking, what is more appealing to Duke than what I'm about to pour into his bowl, he likes to hang out near me and see what falls to the floor, thus eating at least a little before we do. As it turns out, there's always enough. We've never gone hungry because some scraps fell to the floor before or during or after our meal. If I gave him our children's meals and forced them to go to bed hungry, there would be something very wrong about that. But since they have all they need and he has all he he needs, everything turns out all right. Which makes me wonder. Maybe it wasn't that the Syrophoenician woman heard that Jesus taught about defilement and as a result was willing to ask him for help. Maybe what she heard is that wherever Jesus was, there was always an abundance. Maybe that Gentile woman heard that 5,000 men were fed by five loaves and two fish, and when all had eaten their fill, there were still 12 baskets left over. Maybe that's how she knew that there would be crumbs. Even enough for dogs. It seems Jesus had a timeline in his head. He knew that one day his ministry would go beyond 
the Jews. After the resurrection, he commanded the disciples to go to the ends of the earth. The faith was never meant to be limited to just them. But what the Gentile woman reminded him that day was that just as need is not restricted to a particular type of person, neither is faith. Anyone can find herself desperately in need. And anyone can find herself believing that Jesus can do something about it. And what that woman, that dog, argued convincingly, is that she believed there was an abundance of mercy available through Jesus. From her perspective, he could serve less so that just the children had their fill. He could get a bigger table to make sure that nothing spilled off. Or he could let the crumbs overflow abundantly, even to the Gentiles who are not yet seated at the table. From her perspective... God's limitless mercy means every dog could have her day. And that was more than enough to convince Jesus to give that woman and her child the mercy that they needed so that they could have their day. What they remind us is that with God, there is always enough.